Jimmy! Hello there, JT. What's up, man? The summer days are waning, but it's still got a 91 degree uh, Thursday coming up. So, you know, it's good. You yeah, know? fun times, man. Uh, you know what? Things are good. It's actually, the, it's my daughter's birthday today. So we're going to be doing something fun. Happy birthday <laughs> Love to you. you. <laughs> One day she'll listen to this podcast and be like, Ah, dad. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Never going to happen. So, Jer, how are you now? We got a big list this week that it took some twists and turns, actually, from what we said we were going to do last week. But it's roughly the same thing. So how how did it go? It went well. Well, you know, as you know, if we tell our, our listeners one thing, the next week we may or may not do that thing. So right. reliability is a key part of, of being a wingman. Uh, well... <laughs> I'm pretty good. I think I think our evolution of the process went okay. So the the whole point was think of some cool reboots that aren't just crappy movies, right? And and like movies that maybe they weren't the best, maybe they weren't the worst, just just sort of in between that they don't always reboot. Um, but I, I guess we both had some uh, progress on that concept. Yeah, for sure. I started in a place where because there's actually one particular movie that every time someone says reboot, I get passionate about, but it's because it's trash. And so this time when we talked about it, it was like, oh, actually, like there's a lot of movies I like that I want them to reboot, not remake. Right. Like I just want to see it again today. Uh, So it wound up being a a lot of fun and the list kind of went in a lot of fun, different directions. Uh, So I'm, I'm very excited. But it was actually I got more into this list than I think anything else we've done just because like I went deep, man. Like I was really into it. I was like, Oh man, if we did this and this, it actually was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I, I geeked out a little bit too. And uh, I I think it's, I think actually for future conversation that the nuance of a reboot versus a remake, right? Like, cause to me, like a remake is you're sort of doing the same thing. It's like what they do with the star is born. They, every, you know, week and a half, they remake it. Uh, Is that the cadence roughly? And, um, (laughs) To me, a reboot is where that where maybe like what they did with Ghostbusters, I consider that a reboot. Um, right. Unfortunately, I call it a failed one, but uh, you know, that's okay too. A real reboot, all the same. <laughs> yeah, like Ocean's Eleven was a reboot because they took the basic premise and then brought it into a whole new place. And I bring it up because I watched it this week with the boys, and it held up, and I'm so happy about that. I that's a series that I am like unapologetically stand behind, even though the, the, the following two got progressively worse. I still actually think they're very watchable. I really Absolutely. Do. Now, talking about watchable things, JT, and before we get to our list, we have to uh, open open us up with uh, what was your you, you rephrased it so much better than I did. Can I hear your phrasing of it one more time? Oh, just would you watch? Oh, it's just would you watch? Right. I just like would you watch? Yeah, it's like basically the idea is pitching me something and then i give you a thumbs up thumbs down all right here you go would you watch crawl it (laughs) oh i'm gonna have a hard time keeping a straight face through this one uh it it came out on july 29th 1983 to a lackluster 16 million dollar box office take metacritic not so shabby at 45 oh which is actually a pretty bad score but but even in in the bad movie score it's not that bad uh, directed by Peter Yates, whose name you might not know, but he directed Bullet. Have you seen oh. Bullet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And another movie that's one of my favorites that I've, I've referenced to you a couple times, Breaking Away, the uh, the bicycling movie. How does this movie keep coming up? <laughs> because it's fantastic. You know what? You know what? I'm adding Breaking Away to this list. That's what I'm going to do. No, I'm not, because it's supposed <laughs> to be not the best movies. Well, whatever. 
Let's move on. Here's the cast. Uh, Ken Marshall. Nope. Uh, Lizette Anthony. She went on to some British soap opera named Hollyoaks, where she produced, or she she started in 356 episodes of this show. I've never even heard of it. Nope. Nope. Freddie Jones, uh, who you won't, you'd only recognize him from some other 80s and 70s stuff. He was in the original Dune, uh, and he was also in another movie I keep bringing up, Young Sherlock Holmes. Oh, okay. So that's, I've seen him in Young Sherlock then. Yeah. And then a, a woman named Franche- Francesca Annis, who was also in Dune and was kind of a 70s, 80s character actor. A guy named Alan Armstrong, who's kind of a that guy. You see him, like I mentioned, M.M. Walsh last time. He's one of those. And check this out. A young Liam Neeson. Oh, yeah. I love this. It was like his sixth movie. I, I don't even remember. I mean, how would I remember? But uh, he was young. So that's our cast. And here's the plot. So there's sort of this space vampire lich thing. I would say lich, but if you're not like a D&D undead nerd like me, you won't know what that is. But basically like a sucking the soul out of creatures kind of thing. But of okay. course from space, right? And I don't exactly remember. It feeds off. I don't know if it's like entire planets or like it picks somebody on the planet. I don't remember that part, but it's, it's, it's like a blood sucking space vampire thing. Now it travels in the form of a spaceship, but the spaceship looks like a medieval castle. Don't know why it could just be that the, the, the castle shape shifts for the planet it comes to. I'm not quite sure. Um, by the way, I'm pretty sure that nobody's name is Krull, uh, neither the hero nor the villain. So I think actually the planet is Krull. Welcome to Planet Krull. Who would name a planet Krull, by the way? I've been thinking about that a little bit too much. Like ours is Earth, which isn't the best, but it's better than Krull. I don't know. Krull sounds kind of fun. <laughs> like imagine your solar system. You got Mars, Jupiter, Venus, Krull. Nah, it doesn't, doesn't flow. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> All right. Now, our space vampire dude is landed on planet Krull. Enter our hero. Now, I'm assuming he's like an orphan farm boy who really wants to go to Tashi Station or something. Sure. But and I, I know he's lost something. I think his parents or his bestie. Uh, I'm, but, I, but I believe, if memory serves, that the vampire dude has stolen his girlfriend. I think, okay. I think she's maybe the chosen one whose soul will, will re-empower the space vampire dude. Okay. Okay. Now, I don't exactly remember where this guy entered the story, but there's much like in Critters, there's some badass alien dude who's also trying to kill the vampire thing. And he's sort of like a Cyclops looking guy, um, which I remember as a kid just being enchanted with like the idea, like they had made someone look like a Cyclops. And it was like this big dude in sort of monk. Again, by the way, this might not have happened. This is all Jeremy's (laughs) memory of a movie he saw a few times when he was a kid. All right, so they have a they quest, and I guess they have some kind of band of merry men because I know there's more than just the two of them. Sure. Uh, their quest takes them through lots of different landscapes. The one I remember most, though, is this forest in which my memory it's like purplish, like it's a purple hued forest. Okay, um, uh, it's probably like birch trees with like a purple filter over the lens or something like that. Sure. Obviously, lots of fight scenes. The bad guys are all these sort of like drone zombie. I don't know, generic bad guys, like not quite stormtroopers, but we wish we had made them stormtroopers, humanoid-like things. And I think in the forest, the Cyclops dude eats it because I remember feeling sadness for the Cyclops dude. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Now, uh, one thing to know about the hero, he has this thing called the glaive. Do you know what the glaive is? No. <laughs> a glaive is, again, as an 80s kid me, was like the coolest thing ever. So it's a five-sided spinning knife thing, like a shuriken, like a Japanese throwing star. Yeah. But it's got it's got five, and they're like really like swirly and pointy, so it spins really cool. It's like the size of a dinner plate, so it's not like a shuriken. It's big. I think it might have magic to it. I can't remember because when he throws it, I think it also has like a boomerang effect. I, none of it makes any sense, but it was so cool. Like, they're just the coolest weapon ever. I don't even know how he held the thing properly because it's like all knife. Just doesn't It just doesn't make sense. I mean, um, if you're going to give them guff for naming a planet Crawl, can we please talk about what lazy naming Glaive is? <laughs> Well, I don't know. But by the way, like Glaive also comes out of like D&D. I'm pretty sure this is like D&D sci-fi in a movie. Okay. Yeah. So it's look, it's the 80s. You can't explain it. <laughs> uh, now, there's something else I don't quite remember. But the, the castle on the planet moves. Like I think at sundown, it like magically teleports itself to somewhere else on the planet. So they really have to plan this well. I think they get some like witch to help them figure out when and where it's going to be so they can get in at exactly the right time. Uh, you know, it's sort of like that thing in Raiders where he has to hold the, the staff up to get the beam of light to point at the right building, but it only happens like for one second a year. And if you don't get it right, nothing works. Sure. It's a good plot, plot device. Anyhow, mm-hmm. after that, I don't know. The good guys win. They blow up the spaceship castle or get to leave their planet. And um, happily ever after. So uh, would you watch... Crawl? Yeah, I think I would. Okay. I think I would. So first of all, love this description. Second of all, the only thing that I did is I I looked it up because I wanted to see the cover art because I like the cover art to these. Um, The the first thing that it says is a 1983 science fantasy swashbuckler film. I mean, I'm sold. Nailed Uh, it. But also I can see the glaive on the cover and it looks more like a starfish with a big shiny thing in the middle, but very sharp edges. Very weird. But yeah, I'm into this. I would watch yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um I might have to rewatch it, I guess. But uh, but as a kid, by the way, this was like it was like the ultimate this like this is like the MCU all in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> right all of all of the characters put all into two it. characters yeah well th- so i mentioned last week that like so crawl has lore to it so i've not seen it but i've heard about it before just because i i'm friends with people who like movies and this is one of those things that comes up a lot for my friends who are older as like they'll just make a reference never to the movie itself but to be something being crawl like yeah is like a thing where i that's how i that's the context with which crawl has existed in my world so to hear actually what it's like, it's first of all, I probably could have gotten about 60% of that. Just I'm guessing from the <laughs> from context the cover. I have, <laughs> I could have probably filled out the other 30%, 30% of it from the cover. And then 10% would have been a mystery. Like I wouldn't have known there was a princess or whatever this, whatever the lady is. Uh, but yeah, I think I'd give Crawl a run. Sure. Why not? All right. So uh, picking for next week. So JT, I've, I've given myself a little leniency in how I approach this. So now what I'm going to do is I've got the list keeps growing. I've got, uh, I've got, I'm going to give you two to choose from. The Ooh. one you don't choose stays on the list for future use. Okay. But you, you get to control little destiny. And then like as it. always, have if you have seen it, with that, that's an instant veto. Got it. Okay. So your two choices for next week. And I think you might have seen one of them. Just, just, I don't know why. Uh, option one, Gung Ho. Didn't see it. 
Okay, option two, Iron Eagle. Did see it. So, gung-ho it is. Yeah, perfect. All right, good. I love it. This is going to be fun. Perfect. Uh, So, since I would watch Crawl, uh, (laughs) let's talk about (laughs) other things that we really want to watch. So, again, uh, so the idea here was to come up with a list of our top five movies that we want them to remake. Now, we talked about that last week, and we kind of had talked about, like, it could be good or bad. We've taken a very hard line at these are movies we absolutely like that we just want them to make now. So that means there is no sort of, like, okay movies. There is no garbage movies. Like So there's a little bit of a, a current here, which is, like, we know they're good. We're not saying the first ones weren't good. Now, as a fun game, though, we decided we'd throw another little wrench in this, which is that we're going to enter pitch mode a little bit. So the idea is we'll go through the same guessing game we always go through, but then afterwards, the person who's describing the movie is going to actually describe how they would remake the movie a little bit, and it's going to be on the other person to either green light or red light if they were a producer to say, yes, you should remake this, or no, please leave this alone. Just as a fun little trope alongside that. Uh, So that will be our top five this week. We have to do our Shawshank test as always. Jeremy, I will kick to you. Do you have a Shawshank for this week? Um, I don't, I think it's a little hard to do. Like I, I, it's hard to say there's like this ultimate movie to reboot in a week. You know what I mean? So I'm open to it. Like there, there is part of me that's like, well, you could just sort of pick any great movie and just say that one. Um, yeah, I think because we took the vein of only movies you like, I think this took a more personal route. Like if we were doing horrible movies, I think there's probably that like need to be redone as opposed to remade. I think there's probably two that jump to mind immediately, which is like you need to redo these two movies. Right. One of which is probably Crystal Skull because we talk about it every time we talk about this. So I think like that 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 would have been different. But because we took the really good movies route, I think this could go anywhere. So I, I don't think we have a Shawshank this week. Fair enough. No Shawshank. Which means this week you get to start, Jer. So what's your number one movie you want to see remade? This, this is a little tricky. So uh, I have to give a sort of an opening uh, disclaimer as such. Um, first is I took this approach uh, where I've obviously modernized with the new cast. I have not made a deliberate effort either way with regards to gender or race but I'm going to leave it at that. I think a lot of these stories could get really interesting if you play with those things a little bit, like swapping out whether it's a male lead or a female lead or things like that. Uh, but specifically for the purpose of this list, and just again, to be clear, since 2020 is just a garbage year, we have to talk this way. Uh, there, was no, there was no specific effort to be more or less inclusive in many ways. In many cases, I keep the original structure possibly because I'm a little lazy at times, but uh, or, or because I felt it worked for a reason, with the exception of one movie, and I'll explain when we get to it. Fair, fair little disclaimer there? Yeah, perfectly fair. So I, I'm along the same lines, uh, although I think there's one or two, I don't remember exactly, where I, I do think I might have moved it almost as a plot device. So we'll see. But the, again, as always, fun that we're going to take a different run at this. So All right. And by the way, I'm also pretty confident that this time you're going to blow my list away with, with your approach. But uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see how it all goes. I don't know. All right. I'm going to do my, I'm going to go from my, my laziest remake to my most interesting remake is the way I'm approaching it. Uh, okay. July 31st, 1987. Okay. 63 on Metacritic. Um, the cast includes 
uh, Jamie Gertz, Diane Wiest. Okay. I think if I give one more away, it's probably getting you there. Uh, Jason Patrick of Speed 2 Legend. <laughs> oh, God. No. This is actually the movie he's probably best known for. This is 87? 87. It takes place in a little sleepy... Uh, directed by Joel Schumacher, by the way, who did uh, some of the Batman movies and other other good stuff. Um, tremendously fun cast, by the way. Lots of lots of uh, late 80s folks in it. So we're, uh, we take place in a small town in California. There's a boardwalk. It was actually filmed in Santa Cruz. Oh, uh, The Lost Boys. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So uh, with this one... Honestly, this one, I just basically want to just set it in today's world, minimally modernized. Like, you got to embrace phones and social media. Like, I'm guessing this, the vamps use Snapchat or something. But fundamentally, the story can't get too far down that lens. Otherwise, it just it just won't work. So there's even part of me that's like, take a new cast and set it way back in the 80s one more time. Because um, I like the movie. I just kind of want to see it brought into modern storytelling a little. So speed it up a bit probably make you know some of the effects a bit more interesting but don't go too far just kind of keep this great fun story i had a lot more fun though playing with the cast so here's my new cast um and and by the way i've given i I have a few choices because again it's hard to always figure out who who'd be great at what so replacing uh cory haim i have jesse eisenberg okay i can see that replacing cory feldman and he's probably a little too old for it now, but um, maybe a five-year-ago Jonah Hill. All right. Are we fat Jonah or skinny Jonah? Maybe two, on the way down. Okay. On the way down. So Jason Patrick, who was the kind of the, the big brother, uh, I have two choices. I thought Zac Efron could be interesting. He might just be a little too handsome for it, though. Uh, and the other one I like is, and I might pronounce his name poorly, is uh, Daniel Kaluuya. He was in a Get Out and Black Panther. Oh, yeah. I think he could be him, him, right? For sure. Yeah, Zach Efron's too good looking in life. <laughs> <laughs> the Jamie Gertz character is one of the ones that I think also needs needs to be embraced better. I think she was poorly written for. She's just sort of the damsel in distress, and I, I think she could have been a lot more. Um, so I would either have a Chloe Grace Moretz, or and this is the one I like the most because I think she'd bring so much to it. Would be Maisie Williams. I would love Maisie Williams in that right. Role. Like she'd really yeah. pick that up a little bit. Star, right? With yeah. Name? yeah. 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 Uh, and now for Kiefer Sutherland's part, uh, I have three that I think are just phenomenal. Cho- I got to be honest. I think these are fun choices. Um, the most, the least, the least interesting being Ansel Elgort uh, from um, Baby Driver. Yeah. Yeah. I love Ansel actually. And I could just picture him. He's got the right kind of intensity. He already has sort of a potential evil look. I also put in potentially Winston Duke uh, from also from Black Panther. He was, uh, he, was the leader of that other tribe. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that guy a lot. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that yeah. was his name. Yeah. He's got, he did something else recently, too, and I just can't remember what it was uh, off the end. But the one I thought could be the most fun is a guy named Himesh Patel. He was in that movie Yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. First of all, I'm a huge Beatles fan. My daughter's name is Lennon. So, yeah, I've absolutely seen that. And I love that dude. How cool would that guy be as this weird vampire boy band leader guy, right? Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> And I, I kind of, I guess the least interesting are the are the the old people. So Diane Weist, I replaced with. Um, I had four choices here. I got Salma Hayek, who okay. just I think has that quiet intensity I love about her. Um, 
I had Viola Davis, um, Thandi Newton from uh, Westworld. Oh yeah, but I think my my favorite is Regina King from uh, Watchmen. I love Regina King. She's so good. She's um, so good. And then to play the boyfriend slash leader of the vampires, uh, maybe if it's not the boyfriend, I thought Angelina Jolie because she's she is probably like half vampire. Probably. Uh, I also thought it could be fun to actually have Kiefer in that role. Bring him back, uh, you know, as a funny little nod. Um, Michael K. Williams from The Wire. Sure. Uh, Omar. And uh, Andy Serkis, who's usually the voice. Uh, he, he's he's the CGI guy. He played Gollum and King Kong. Oh, okay. But he's actually had a few acting roles, and I like him a lot. So that's okay. that's my Lost Boys remake. Uh, what do you think? Can we Do we have a green light? Yeah, green light. 100%. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. All right. What's your first one? All right, so I'm going to go in a similar path, uh, and I'm going to go with the one where I have the least character actors that I can really put into this, and there's a reason why. So this came out on March 25th of 1983. It is, it's got a 41% on Metacritic. At first, I thought, uh, I know we're in the E.T. time frame, so that's where I thought you were uh, at, because E.T. keeps coming up in our t- conversations, too. It does. Well, it's only because I made fun of Mac and me before. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I w- this cast is absurd. So I'm going to pick one, but it, and then I'll give you the, the hint is also another cast member. So Matt Dillon, 83. The Outsiders. Outsiders, yeah. So Rob Lowe's first film debut, he was my other one. Tom Cruise. The, the whole cast. Like you literally, if you just read through this cast, like, you know, it's just, it's, it's so nuts. So absolutely love this book. Absolutely love this movie when I was a kid, as I think everybody probably should have. It was, it was so well done then. Right. Coppola like did a bunch of really cool things at the time, which is well documented. I think like it's just such a good movie. I just think the story would be really easily adaptable to today. I think there's ways to change the story. So reboot instead of remake and kind of like bring it into today's world and culture where maybe it's not just, you know, the socials as much. And maybe it's maybe it is more divisive. Maybe it is race. Maybe it is economics. I don't know. I just think there's an opportunity to play with that for sure. And I think it's an important movie. Like I think it's, it, it, it affected me as a kid. So I think remaking it now could be really interesting. Uh, so cast wise, this one was tough because I don't know a lot of super young actors and I didn't want to pick a bunch of 35 year olds to play teenagers. So the only one that came to mind immediately and it's kind of cheap, but man, Tom Holland as somebody. For sure. Like he should be Pony Boy, probably. Tom but Holland's Pony Boy. Yeah, he has to be. So Absolutely. Tom Holland is Pony Boy, and then I think as Cherry Valance, use Zendaya again. Okay. For the little Spider-Man thing. I also happen to love Zendaya in everything she does. She was so good in uh, Hugh Jackman's musical that I can't think of the name of the Greatest Showman. Greatest Showman. She's so good. Yeah. So I did do a little bit of work here. Uh, so Kylan Rambo is a really good young actor. I like a lot. I think he's actually a Nickelodeon kid, but he's done some some bigger stuff. Um, Karen Brar, I think would be really interesting. Uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr. is another, another Disney kid. And then I figure like, if you're going to keep the social mentality, like just throw Timothy Chalamet at it because people will go see the movie. If you do. Fair enough. I, by the way, other than the Tom Holland, Zendaya, Timothy, I don't know any of those other names. Yeah. And, and to be (laughs) honest, the only reason I'm even tangentially, the only reason I was familiar enough to research them is because I have a four-year-old. 
Right. And so I've seen their faces before, but like I had to go, this was purely research. This wasn't like, I was like, oh, you know who would be good would be Karen Brar. No, no, no. I had to go look up his name and go, that kid, that's the kid I like. So again, research this more than I should have because no one cares. <laughs> but I think the, the bigger thing with this one for me is I would love to see if this was in the hands of a really good screenplay adapter, I would love to see someone bring this current and, and make it as interesting and maybe speed it up a little bit and just change the way it was filmed a little bit. But the story, the, the through line of the story, I just think should be told. And I think if it was told in a more modern way, more people would watch it. Because right now, The Outsiders, I think, would be tough like for your kids to sit down and really enjoy just because it is super outdated. There's a lot of referential stuff that doesn't make sense. Like, I think there'd be a lot of cool ways to bring, I don't know, just bring like modern culture into it, right? Like, you know, like music and hip hop and, and film and, and fashion could play a very different role today than it did then. Uh, and I think the story is, is probably important. Also, Coppola is still alive and kicking. So like have him like be part of it, right? Like this was, a, this was to a certain extent, I don't know if it was a masterpiece, right? Actually, I was surprised it was as low as it was on Metacritic. Maybe this is more of a sentimental thing for me. Um, I thought pe- I thought this was a better regarded film than it was, apparently. Yeah, I um, I didn't like this movie, actually. Uh, it's one of those movies that other people liked, and I really didn't. Uh, I was just too angsty in high school, I think. Too much that's angst. <laughs> too, too much angst. Yeah, that's, listen, totally reasonable. Uh so yeah, that's sort of my pitch. My pitch is like, look, I wish I knew more kid actors to go deeper on this and I'll go deeper on other movies, obviously. But on this particular one, I think it's a, it's, it's a beautiful book. It's a great story. And I think bringing this modern would make, would be really interesting. So I, I'm going to give you a, a soft green light, not, not a firm, uh, only because I need, I don't know who any of those people are, but I'm on the bank that you probably did your homework and these are some, some talented young folk. Then uh, I think we got something here. I agree actually that the story it's one of those, uh, it's like an archetype story that could, could be like Star's Born, but actually actually do it in, in different and interesting ways. So yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that one. Okay. I'll run. I'll take a, I'll, I'll take a reduced budget pilot for now. That's fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe give me a, give me an opening sequence or some storyboards. Yeah. I, perfect. I don't know what they, I don't know what they actually do for green lighting. <laughs> By the way, I, I also meant to make a disclaimer at the front. This whole episode might as well be called the sacrilege episode. <laughs> So friends and all who know that we're about to start because t- because a few of these movies I'm about to touch are like straight up sacrilege. Um, it you know it's an exercise. It's 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 like a brainstorm. There's no wrong answer. Okay, that's true. And part of the reason, by the way, that I wanted to introduce the pitch concept here is because there might be a hard no, which is just based on do not mess with this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a hunch after the next one, the rest of my list hits that. Hits that category. Okay. I also realized that the next movie on my list might be in the uh, Would You Watch It list. I don't know if you've even seen it. Oh, perfect. Let's go. I'm excited. All right. Let me uh, let me let, let me pull up the year. It's the one thing I did. Okay. Uh, April 1st, 1988. Okay. The category is drama, fantasy, horror. Okay. Does not exist in Metacritic, but it's our uh, it's IMDb scores of 5.9. Okay. It stars, I'll give you two of the three leads. Uh, Michael Bean, who you might know from all 80s action movies. Yep. Terminator, etc. Yep. And uh, do you know who Jorgen Prochnow is? No. Well, he's, he's this amazing actor. He was in uh, Das Boot, and, and uh, I think he's German by, Orient, by, uh, by birth. Yeah, he's German. Uh, he was in Dune, the original Dune. He was in English Patient. Um, 
he's done a lot of good stuff. Uh, I know he's in something recently that we all saw and was like, oh, Jurgen's back. But I can't remember what it was now. Anyhow, I, I really like this actor. I don't think you know where I'm going with this movie at all. I have no idea. The lead is Demi Moore. Okay. Yeah, you don't know this movie. I'm I'm now 100% sure of it, and I'm I'm now tempted to pivot real time into a would you watch thing, but I'm not going to. Uh, it's called The Seventh Sign. Oh, yeah, I've never seen this at all. Oh, I don't know <laughs> what to do now. JT, give me some real-time guidance here, because this absolutely fits in the would you watch category, but it also perfectly fits the movie I like that would be great in a reboot. Well, I, listen, I think you can pitch it as a would you watch it. So tell me enough about it and then give me the, the characters and you can do a little bit of both. All right. The very shortest version ever is, oof, I'm missing parts of it. Jorgen Prock now is like some old priest. And it turns out that uh, based on the signs of the apocalypse, the seven signs of the apocalypse, Demi Moore's baby will be the Antichrist and destroy the world. Wow. Michael Bean's the... Boyfriend slash husband, not quite sure. Uh, and so the seven signs of the apocalypse, you know, there's like, it's sort of like the 10 plagues of the, of the, uh, and Passover. So there's like the river of blood and all sorts of other darkness. And I think frogs, it's a fun romp through taking like ancient concept, like the, the whole concepts around like a real world apocalypse. And there's like these sacred, te- sacred scripts that they find that explain what to do and how to stop it and all this kind of stuff. Okay. That's the basic pitch. So I want to bring it to the modern world. Okay. I think first of all, it might as well just be called 2020 right now. Um, (laughs) You know, (laughs) murder hornets, like that's instead of frogs. Like, yeah, we're halfway there. So you modernize it uh, instead of finding these ancient scriptures. Maybe it's all stuff on the dark web. Like, I think you could really pull digital technology into this kind of a storytelling in a really fun way, you know, where you already have so much conspiracy theory happening online and so many odd pockets of believing all sorts of weird nonsense. Sorry, uh, sorry, online conspiracy theorists, but, you know, (laughs) put your tinfoil hats back on. Anyhow, I want to recast it as follows. Uh, Jorgen Prock now. So again, this is kind of the old picture, this old priest dude as either Morgan Freeman because uh, he's awesome. Or I thought could be interesting because part of the point of this character is like this level of um, absolutism and strictness and like harshness. So I was thinking about, uh, do you know who Lance Reddick is? He was on The no. Wire. He's the... Um, the who the, in The Wire? Daniels. Uh, oh. He's also in John Wick as the, he runs the the hotel. Yeah, love that guy. Yeah. I just think he'd be great at this kind of role. Uh, Michael Bean is the boyfriend, or let's go with husband. I got four potentials here, all of which I think are fun. It's a young couple, by the way, like early 20s. So uh, John Boyega, um, also Adam Driver, two two from Star Wars. Although that, yeah. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, because he's so intense and so good. And uh, a little older, but if you you could sort of make the story work, I think would be uh, David Harbour from Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. I love that guy. He's the sheriff. And then in Demi Moore's place, I've got uh, Brie Larson, Emily Blunt, who might be my favorite of the picks because she's her her, her uh, work in Edge of Tomorrow was so good. Uh, I also have thought of Claire Foy from The Crown. Yeah. And Tessa Thompson from uh, Thor Ragnarok and a bunch of other stuff. Mm. So th- that's my casting. Um, Seventh Sign 2020 edition. Would you watch it? Yeah. 
I would, yeah, I would watch that and I would green light that, especially if you get some of that cast. Basically, anything Emily Blunt, if you got Emily Blunt and Adam Driver to do just about any movie, I'd probably be like, I'll watch it. Nice. Uh, and and would you have watched the 80s version with that very limited description? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. All right. That sounds interesting. I also, I did look up who, what, who Jurgen is and I know him from all the things. Like, right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's in, he's in a bunch of stuff. Uh, okay. Yeah. Totally greenlit. I think you should run with that. Okay. I'm on it. Okay. Uh, let's get into sacrilegious camp. Oh boy. <laughs> July 3rd, my birthday, 1985, my actual birthday. Oh, oh, okay. Has an 87 on Metacritic. Oh boy. I want to give my favorite actor because it's it just so perfect. Billy Zane. <laughs> All righty. Billy Zane. I'll give you another hint and then I'll give you an actor that might give it away. The script was rejected 44 times before this got greenlit. Can I get a genre, please? Yeah. So kind of like comedy sci-fi, I'd call it. Comedy sci-fi, 1985. Hmm. I mean, this is like classic, classic. Crispin Glover. Oh, you're going to remake Back to the Future? I am. Now, before you even go anywhere with this, do you know <laughs> that the uh, producers of Back to the Future put it in contract that the movie can never be remade? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm up for hearing your pitch, sir, but it's, a, it, it's an absolute red light. It's, it's illegal. It is illegal to reboot Back to the Future. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't know that. that Which is the best me... thing ever. That's really smart on their part, but also kind of makes me sad. Hmm. Yeah, a little bit. Anyway, mm. here's the pitch. <laughs> here's the pitch. Here's the pitch. All right. Back to the Future is is one of the like, it, it's a Paramount movie. Like it's one of the sure. best movies, right? You have to yeah. watch it. It's a thing everybody should watch. The only reason that I want to bring this in, right? This is a remake. I just want to remake this movie with today. Okay. Because it, it's it's we are now far enough away from the listen i'm 35 so i will always know exactly how old this movie is like we are now far enough away from this being filmed that i just i think it's getting to the place where it's hard for kids to watch and they're not going to understand how cool it is because they're not going to be able to get past some of the visuals okay and the the premise is so good and the the way that they did it was so well done. I literally just want them to update this. Just update the film. If there was a way to do it and leave the actors in, I'd do that. I would actually do that. There's like, not. Like use the same actors and then de-age them or something like that. Yeah, although if, <laughs> if Scorsese's most recent idea as to what that looks like, it would be terrifying. It would become a horror movie. I think you could do like a current time version of this. I actually don't want to. No. Like I want you to leave it alone. I think it's more fun. Like I And listen, I went down the thread. If you made it common and then you went back to the 80s so that that way the original was kind of oh. the same and then you go back to the 80s and then that, inf- that, that brings in like hip hop culture. It brings in grunge the early 90s maybe like there's a thread there that's kind of interesting for sure and then to a certain extent i thought that might be more interesting because then you're not messing with a classic that shouldn't be messed with right so to that extent maybe it's a reboot not a remake i don't know i could be sold on either of those as i i also knew that you were going to say just don't remake this i didn't know you were going to say legally you can't but i knew you were going to say don't so i figured i'd come to the table with both however if you were to recast it i think this is kind of fun Let's hear it. I hate to be this guy again, but I think Tom Holland would be perfect as as Marty McFly. I think he'd be great. 
Yeah, you know the funny thing is, I just googled like why what was the actual law or whatever uh, about why they can't reboot it, and the funny thing is that the cover art on that article is Tom Holland. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Yeah. So, so I, I took two different paths. I took one path, which is if you just if you do a remake and then a reboot. I actually am going to run with the reboot version because I think the reboot cast is more fun. Go for it. Uh, Tony Revelry, who is in Homecoming, he's also the kid from Grand Buda- Budapest Hotel. Oh, okay. I just think he's I just think he's hysterical. I think he'd be great. He's kind of unassuming, whatever. If you go down that path, that then opens again, like you know, it's inclusive but not intentionally. I just think it would be fun to see a different version of this. If you then go with George McFly, I tried to think of three different people that could play both the young and old and not have to have it be weird. So Arturo Castro, who I just happen to like a lot. Yep. Um, Efren Ramirez, who's vote for Pedro from, uh, yep. I can't think of the name of that. And then I think the best one, although he skews older, so I don't know how much they could make him look younger, would be Oscar Isaacs, would be brilliant, Ooh. I think, in this. Interesting. Right? I love Joey King. You said uh, Chloe Grace Moretz earlier. Those two are kind of like in battle for me. I've seen them both do things that I'm always like, oh, you're better, you're better. So I, I went Joey King. Okay. Uh Biff, I thought you kind of have to keep somewhat the same. So Jake T. Austin, who's in Wiver- uh, the Wizards of Waverly Place, he's done a bunch of other bit stuff. But then the one that I thought was most interesting would be Ty Sheridan, who is the main character in Ready Player One. Yeah, I've seen Ty Sheridan. Yeah. And then the, f- the most fun version of this, obviously, is who do you recast as Doc? There is an easy... The, the layup is Christopher Walken. Okay. I think that'd be... I don't know that I love it, but I think it'd be funny. A wild card would be, I kind of feel like Steve Buscemi would be really interesting in a role like that because he's got a little bit of that crazy, but a little bit of that, I believe you're put together. Yeah. If you went full camp, I think Will Ferrell could do something like that. Ooh, Ooh, that's camp. Full camp. That's why I said, full disclosure, full camp. And then lastly, I want to nod to two, like to one person who I think would be amazing in this role. Unfortunately, he's passed away, but like it just it got in my head and I was like, I can't get out of this. Dude, Bernie Mac would have been oh, so yes. good. Yes. Bernie Mac would have been so good. Like that would have been such a hilarious sort of interaction, especially especially if you did the it's the 2000s go back to the 80s thing. Right. What, what about um? And he's in one of my upcoming movie picks. Uh, what about Sam Rockwell? Oh, I would. I love. First of all, I love Sam Rockwell. Yeah, so right? the answer is always yes to Sam Rockwell. I. It's funny. He's. I think of him as being a little bit more dramatic, even though I know that he has the chops to play it a little bit more loose. Um, I can't think of that. There's a there's a particular role that I'm thinking of him in that just like forever cemented him as like a really serious actor to me for some reason. Uh, but I would love that. So yeah. Anyway, it can't be remade. I knew this is like definitely going to be, I can already feel four texts coming from certain people going, how dare you? Uh, but I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be fun. And I think a lot of kids, listen, the, the further away we get from it, the less people that are going to see it. It's just the truth. That's and fair. It deserves to be seen. And so I want people to see it. Now, uh, I have an important question before I can give you a green light, red light. Is the remake version more or less incestuous and rapey? So... I wasn't going to necessarily go down that route entirely, but if we did the re like if we rebooted it, I think we would clearly clean it up a little bit. Okay, I, I think that has to be done. Yeah, I think there's a I think there's a very easy way to make this where you're not almost making out with your mom. Like I think there's an easy way yeah. to do that, and I think that whole Biff scene could be could turn into a hero scene and a teaching moment pretty easily. I agree. Yeah, it's funny because so many movies get away without any form of incestuousness, um, but. 
but, but yet are childhood classic. <laughs> Almost all of them do. <laughs> um, I, I'm intrigued, but uh, but uh, no, you can't mess with this. Yeah, I res- I respect the red light. I knew this. I knew it was coming. That's okay. Uh, and but by the way, I did did check really quick. It's a it's a three way uh, allegiance that has to come together to allow a remake. And if they die, it doesn't happen. So well, it's not it's not going to happen. And I kind of knew it wasn't going to happen, which is yeah. why this was a fun thought experiment. Because I'm like, yeah, no one would ever do this. But let's see if they did. All right. So I got three to go, and now they're all in for fully. I too will get angry texts and full on sacrilege. But I'll start with what I think might be the least sacrilegious. I don't know. Uh, it is from the year, sorry, the year was 1988, November 23rd. Other than the lead, it stars, how am I going to get to this list? It stars a younger Carol Kane, an aging Robert Mitchum, a rarely seen in movies, David Johansson and Bobcat Goldthwait, a young Alfre Woodard. Oh, quite an interesting cast, actually. Um, oh, I don't like where this is going. Yeah, you might not. I don't blame you. Uh, is, this the, is it the Princess Bride? No, no, no. Oh, okay, no. Don't worry about that. Although the actual Quibi remake was beautiful, but that's because they did such an interesting thing. Uh, all right, last two. We've got Karen Allen as the female lead. Okay. Let's see. It's a comedy, drama, fantasy. Fantasy is a weird word for this one. I don't know if I have this. So it's a Christmas movie, and it came out in '88. Yep, Christmas movie '88, actual Christmas movie. Is it? I mean, it's not Die Hard, right? Die Hard was Bill Murray is the lead. Oh, Scrooge. Yes. Oh, oh, I think this. Okay, I'm interested. Okay, go ahead. So. I don't have too much to change on it, but I, I basically you just sort of re instead of this being this live television event, either the whole thing's maybe in VR, which I thought could be an interesting place to start because then Ooh. you, you know, maybe you're in VR and then it's like questioning, is this the real world or virtuality or things like that gives it, you know, and it's sort of always messing with, is this virtual or fantasy and things like that. The other idea is like, it's all in a Fortnite event or something like that. You, you got to bring it into the, to the modern, modern flow but otherwise you've got sort of the same basic beats uh i only really put work into four cast members because i thought the rest are so so short-lived on screen like i could you know there's like 17 more parts so the top four though i picked were the two ghosts so, so this was uh, uh in carol kane in carol kane's role uh i put in either rachel mcadams because i like her uh or lupita nyong'o from uh Force Awakens and yeah. other things. Uh, I thought they both have that. They both have the same kind of wide-eyed fun, um, can be a little goofy, also be a little serious. For David Johansson, the crazy taxi driving ghost, this is where I have Sam Rockwell. Uh, I also have as a backup Timothy Oliphant, who I like very much as an I actor. I adore him. I adore him. But who I thought would actually be the best at it uh, is Leslie Jones from uh, SNL and the, the, the Ghostbusters movie sold. sold. She would be amazing as this crazy taxi driver. Yeah. Whip it. I mean, I, you just let her just improv, uh, like whatever she's going to do. I think it would be great. Agreed. Uh, that's all I'm doing with Scrooge, uh, Scrooge 2.0. That's it. What do you think? Um, 
I think I'd green light it. I think I'd give a soft green light because it's like if you went into the VR world or something like that, I think I'd give you a hard green light just because like as an experimental thing, it would be really interesting. Um, I mean, this movie's been made bef- again, right? Like there's like five versions. That, I mean, like the McConaughey ghost, ghost of Christmas or the girlfriend's past or whatever. Like this is not yeah. a new construct. So it's not aggressively interesting. I do think that this is remakeable for sure. I think it'd be funny if you found a way to get Bill Murray to come back and do some 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 sort of like small. Oh, you have to. Yeah, like he does something yeah. to it. All right. So my next one uh, came out June twenty third, nineteen eighty nine. Okay. Sixty three percent on Metacritic. I don't think this is like slanderous. I think people would probably be fine with this one. Uh, so it's the two. I'll give you two actors. So Christine Sutherland. And Jared Rushton. Hmm. This is a family comedy. 1989? Yep. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That is very impressive. Yeah. So one quick fun thing that I didn't know. So John Candy was actually uh, offered the role and he recommended Rick Moranis. Did you know he also did the same thing in Ghostbusters? Uh, I knew the Ghostbusters one. I didn't know this one. Yeah. So anyway, this one, I don't think we need to go very deep into. You've seen it. It's a great movie. It's a kid movie. It's old. So you can't watch it anymore. Uh, One thing I did find out that was in the original, one of the kids was supposed to die in the lawn scene, which they cut out, which I feel like is good because it would have changed this movie a lot. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. That's a a great edit. Uh, So uh, listen, this is a great kid and adult movie. And if you watch it even today, this actually stands up pretty well in the sense of like that it has kid humor and adult humor and it's fun. And I think that's brilliant. I just think they should just remake it. Like, just do it with today's technology. That's it. This was a really, really fun movie. It'd be a really fun summer movie. It's a hilarious premise. Don't make a bunch of sequels to it. Just do it once, do it right, and knock it out of the park. So uh, Wayne Slazny, or what was his name? Slazinski? Slazinski? Uh, If if you could just get Rick Moranis to do it again, just get Rick Moranis to do it again. We all love Rick Moranis, and he's a national treasure. Uh, if not, I went pretty hardcore like typecasting. Ty Burrell would be great. Oh, yeah. Uh, or yeah. this one might not be as much fun, but I love him. Are you familiar with Rob Delaney? Yeah, I love Rob Delaney. I think Rob Delaney would be hilarious in this. Uh, for Big Russ Thompson, I only picked one person because he's the right person and I'm convinced of it. And it's Nick Offerman. I think he'd be perfect. <laughs> okay. Uh, one fun idea, though. Which is if you just like remove all of the people I just said, and what if we got Key and Peel to play the two dads? I think that'd be hilarious. Nice, good choice. And then for uh, Diane and May, who are the 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 wives of the two, uh, I said Tiffany Haddish would be funny. Okay. Uh, Leslie Mann, just because she's Leslie Mann. Yeah. This also feels like Apatow would probably just do it. Uh, Kristen Wiig because she's brilliant. Uh, Aquafina, I thought would be really funny. I, she just makes me laugh. A lot. She's too young, though, isn't she? Yeah, but I feel like she could play older. Like, I okay. feel like she... And then lastly, just because she's one of my favorite comedic actresses, potentially of all time, uh, Isla Fisher, I think, is, like, beyond brilliant. Like, she's she's so funny. She's like uh, she's like Amy Adams, right? Yeah, well, so she, no, yeah, she's Sasha... Kidding. I'm just kidding. They, they, look, <laughs> they look very similar. They do look similar, yes. I mean, listen, anyone who's married to Sasha Baron Cohen and can hang, as far as I'm concerned, belongs in whatever movie. But so, yeah, this one, super lighthearted. Don't overthink it. Just remake this movie. I think it'd be fun. And I think it's like, again, that balance of adult and kid humor, this 
particular plot sets up well for that without, I was thinking a lot about what you said last week about like how things are uncomfortable now. There's nothing uncomfortable about this movie, but you could still make it funny for adults and funny for kids. Absolutely. I think that's a, I think that's a great pick. I think the entire genre, by the way, I, I went reading about it, the whole notion of these family friendly, it's like instead of a rom-com, it's like a fam-com or something. Like the genre is pretty close to dead. It's very hard to do them. You know, Mrs. Doubtfire is one of the last really good ones. So yeah. I, I'm I'm all in. Uh, I think uh, I think families need more fun movies to watch together that aren't fully CGI. I that's literally. I mean, now this one would probably have a decent amount of CGI, but even so, yeah. <laughs> I just think it's like it, it's. I, I I couldn't agree more. Listen. What I find with like nieces, nephews, and my even my own kids, like I'm either watching a kid movie or I'm trying to find an adult movie that they can watch without me having to explain things to them. Right. And That's like right. this, a movie like this would be absolutely perfect. And I, I just remember enjoying this so much as a kid watching it with my mom. So that's it. Nice. Green light? Red light? Oh, no, full green light. No, I think this is great. I think uh, I think it would do quite well, actually, especially because you could make the CGI so good these days. Like the effects were actually not bad the first time around. For the time, they were fine. But now, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, now um, my first of two, I'm going to go with High Sacrilege. Uh, I can actually already picture the angry text. Uh, August seventh, nineteen eighty-five. Okay. Uh, casting that you've heard of other than the lead. I think, I think William Atherton was the only one you might know. And I don't know if you know him by name. Mm-mm. He's the jerk reporter from Die Hard. Oh, <laughs> okay. Also the jerk EPA guy from Ghostbusters. Okay. In this one, he's the dir- jerk teacher guy. It's a comedy. Okay. It's got a, what was it, a 71 Metacritic and might unfortunately be yet another JT's never seen it, but really should have because would love the comedy in it. And okay. it's one of my all-time favorite comedies. Wow. Like, I gave you a 71, but in, in my eyes, as comedies go, it's at least a 9 out of 10. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm not getting anything from who you've said so far. Val Kilmer is the lead. And carries the entire movie. The movie is. Mm. It's set in a Caltech-like school. No, I'm not going to guess it. Real genius. Oh, God. Okay. I have seen this. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I have seen this. Okay. First of all, go go watch it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It okay. should be a wheelhouse kind of movie for you. I think you would love this humor. So whenever you last saw it, it's up for a rewatch. And uh, yeah, sorry, friends, but... Um, you know, if I'm making a list like this and I'm thinking about things, I'm thinking about things. So Real Genius is the story of some freshman kid who shows up at like a Caltech-like school with insane level smart people, lots and lots of pranks, and um, hilarity ensues. And then they get duped by their jerk teacher to build some space laser thing that they thought was a research project, but instead is to kill people from space. So I think that that story works real well today. I think you mm-hmm. obviously modernize all the tech and the pranks. You have to really do that well. You need to bring, it's the same way they write Silicon Valley. You need to bring in people who understand the technology and make it all close to how things actually work today. Uh, so as an example, Laszlo's character in the first one is filling out contests and he's like sending in piles and piles of punch cards. In this one, Laszlo's character is writing scripts to fill out online 
contests and do all you know hack through all those those kind of systems and doing all that the jerk teacher dude uh who's got like a rep with the army in this case maybe he's like big on twitter or something where he's probably got like a big following and and is known to be a jerk but that's okay because he's so smart or whatever um but i think the actual basic conceit of uh kids inventing a laser from space that can take out a, a person is perfect and then you throw in some controversial but you keep it light like face recognition technologies and you do some of those things so it's like oh crap we just built the thing that can literally kill a terrorist from space and try not to get too heavy on the implications but just stick with the um you know the implications because of the implications my new cast of uh of the modern real genius um laszlo so the weird hacker dude is either jason lee or justin long i think they're both absolutely perfect I would, I mean, Justin Long is a favorite. Jason Lee, I could give or take, to be honest. The jerk teacher, I have Matthew Modine after his Stranger Things performance. I have in a weird twist, and and you have to sort of picture it, but Reese Witherspoon. I don't know if you ever saw Election, but she's she's got the ability to play like cold-hearted really, really well, and I think could do this really, and, and also uh, comes off very smart, which the character has to, like, have to radiate that kind of, this person could be super intelligent. And then lastly, uh, after just seeing him in Ford versus Ferrari, I thought Josh Lucas could be, could be good at that for the rest of the cast though. There's Kent, which is sort of the jerk other kid. I put in Nicholas Holt, uh, who's beast in uh, X-Men and a few other things. He's a little, little too old for it, but, um, I think he just pulled off really well. The nerdy kid who's freshman year. I got Asa Butterfield from, uh, Ender's game and a couple of oh, movies. Okay. Yeah. And for Val Kilmer, which is definitely the hardest one to fill the the shoes of, I originally had Tom Holland in here, but I think he's just too he's too sweet, and the character has to have a little bit of an edge. So my new options are Joe Keery, who's the um, Stranger Things Steve. Steve. Yeah. I also here have Zendaya because she does have that mischievous mischievous mischievousness to her, and then lastly Letitia Wright from Black Panther. Um, she was, oh, yeah, I love her. In yeah, my yeah, she's really good. So I think that that's that's my cast for a new version of Real Genius. All right. So because I'm not as familiar with it, it's an easy green light for me because it doesn't feel sacrilegious at all. Uh, I actually don't even hear of this one in lore a lot, so I don't feel I don't feel any kind of way about making it happen or not happen. Uh, so yeah, I green light this for sure. Now I'm also going to go watch it though. Cause now I feel like maybe, I, I mean, I haven't seen this movie in easily 20 years. So, oh, so good. So good. Okay. All right. I'll give her a run. Okay. Uh, this is my most sacrilegious. It's, <laughs> it's aggressively sacrilegious. It, I almost feel bad even talking about it, but I'm going to stand behind the, the pick. Uh, this movie came out on March 16th of 1963. Has an 88 on Metacritic. Uh, Frank Overton and Brock Peters. 30 dozen? No, I'll give you John Magna too. Uh, the piece of the, the trivia is the most famous scene, which is the last scene, was done in one take by the main actor, who, if I tell you, should probably give this away immediately. It was a six minutes and 30 seconds long, and he absolutely is he's untouchable in this role. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. No, it's Gregory Peck. Oh, to kill Mockingbird. Yeah. Oh, oh, you went it's, deep. So here's the thing, okay? And I'm not going to, I won't spend an aggressive amount of time on this because if you haven't seen this, uh, I don't know how to help you. (laughs) Um, This is a movie I think everyone should see. 
And I actually thought a lot, like more than I should have. It took more time thinking about if this is something that you remake or reboot. And I honestly think it's probably something you just remake. But I think you remake it with modern actors and a big cast. And I think you remake it in color. And I think you remake it with a big budget. And I think you remake it with a huge marketing budget. And I think you get people out to see this movie because this movie matters. Yeah. And I just think that not a lot of people are going to see it as it sits unless you are a film person. Unless you're like, your kids will see it because you're such a film buff. My kids will see it because I'm going to make them. But like outside of that, if other than required reading, I don't think this happens enough. And like this movie and Atticus Finch as a human being and as an actual hero needs to be seen. And I think more than ever in our culture right now really needs to be seen. I think first of all, it's totally fair. And I, and I'd argue that it's, I would, I would put this in non-sacrilegious territory, even though it is a great film. The fact that it's a story from a book, I think gives, gives you the latitude to say, Hey, this, this book defined a thing. It's an archetype now. And we now need to retell it. And I think in the modern setting, it's a phenomenal choice. It's very, I told you, you're going to, you're going to out, uh, you're going to out-movie me on this one. Well, the, the so I appreciate that. And the, the only reason that I have it in sacrilegious is because I don't know that there's a better... I mean, if you want to, like, not that... We'll, we'll probably do this at some point, but, like, a top five performances of all time, Gregory Peck is Atticus Finch is, like, on the list. Like, I mean, this is an untouchable performance to the extent where I think you'd have a hard time casting it because I think a lot of actor-actors would be like, nope. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think people would be like, I'm good, thanks. I'm going to pass. Like, this is not a thing. However... To make this quicker, and just because I think this stands on its own, it's a pretty clear reason why I want to do this. Here's a couple people that I think would should be considered. All right. So the easy pick is Daniel Day-Lewis, because he's Daniel Day-Lewis. Sure. And I think Daniel Day-Lewis would find a way to play Gregory Peck playing Atticus Finch <laughs> and would do it perfectly. Um, two stretch ones. So Arnie Hammer, I actually think is a really good actor. And I think he's stoic in nature. And I think he sort of has like a very calming effect. And one of the, I think one of the plots in this movie that I don't think, and book also that isn't paid enough attention to is, is, is Atticus's relationship with his kids is so important. And it's such like a paramount to this. And I just see, I could see him. And then the other person was John Hamm. I could see both of them doing the father role better than I could see them doing the lawyer role, but I like them in the father role. That's fair. Here's the wild one. The, yeah. the, the one wild one is Jim Carrey. Okay. I hear it. I see it. I gotcha. New Jim Carrey, this yeah, yeah. new found himself painter, really internalist, under, like you talk about like passion and stoicism. I just feel there's, there's a childish understanding with the way that Atticus Finch addresses his kids and, and the problems. And then also this really just like this conviction. I think Carrey would be really interesting and he can really act. Yeah, I, I could see, by the way, Jim Carrey, because he isn't acting as much. I don't know if he's formally retired or what, but I could see him coming back in some serious dramatic performance and crushing it. Like Right. Yeah. Like, he'll just come do one thing and you'll be yeah. like, oh, the end, right? That's like, right. You're, you're forever Jim Carrey now. Yeah. Um, I like, actually, it's great. It's great casting choices. I think they're all John Hamm. I mean, John Hamm, you can see very easily. Uh, and it's funny because I when I guess Mr. Smith goes to Washington right now, I'm like, John Hamm for that role. But, uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think I'm into this one. I think uh, I think it's going to be tough to pick. It's like almost in the modern world, like what what part of the story, you know, what do you pick? How do you modernize? Because there's so it's so volatile right now. But I think uh, I think you're dead on right. It's a good choice. I appreciate. It. Thanks. Yeah. All right. 
Let's make it. All right. My uh my last choice is is uh definitely <laughs> gonna gonna bother some folks. Um June eighth, nineteen eighty-three. Okay. Um which of the casts can I even go through here? It's a tricky it's a tricky cast that doesn't to not give entirely away. Uh Denholm Elliott. He's the um, he's Marcus from the Raider series. Okay. Anyone else I name, and you get the movie. Uh, it is a comedy set. Oh God, how do I get? It's just a giveaway. I can't. I can't do it, man. I'm sorry. I'll go so with June the 1983. Give me one. Give me one more actor. Ralph Bellamy. Ralph Bellamy. Oh, Trading Places. Yes. Oh, you're gonna have a hard <laughs> I decided I had to have something on my list that was like just gonna bother everybody. So this well, is I'm, it. I'm real bothered, but go ahead. <laughs> All right. So again, like you could just you could call this like it doesn't have to be a remake. You could just use the same basic plot, you know, the same way Point Break is. Uh, uh, sorry, the way Fast and Furious did Point Break. You could just sort of do it again. So I'm not. I, I don't think it has to full on acknowledge that it's a remake, but. Uh, in this version, there it's a hedge fund instead of a typical Wall Street brokers. Um, they use social media to frame Winthorpe instead of you know they they, they do all of the same kind of things. Um, you probably have to have some day trading subplot or something like that to make it all work, uh, or more international funds. I think the main the main beat of the uh, the uh, frozen concentrated orange juice is probably Bitcoin. I was just going to say cryptocurrency. Yeah. <laughs> like they have some inside scoop into some new algorithm to head to, to mine bitcoins or something, whatever, something that, that can put them way ahead. You know, your typical hedge fund type of thing. Uh, I had a lot of fun with the cast. So the old guys, the uh, Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy are of course, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Yes. Can't has to be. Yep. Um, and, and, and I think you actually don't make, it's not a sequel. It's just sort of an, an inspired by kind of story. Uh, Beaks, the, the, what was Beaks? He was the, the bad guy. Yeah, he's uh, the counterintelligence guy. Yeah. So I may, I have a couple of choices here. Uh, Colin Firth is one of my favorites, okay. but, I, but I'm going to keep upping it. I think uh, better than him would be Benadryl Cabbage Patch. Uh, yep. And then even better than him, uh, Mahersh- Mahershala Ali would be, awesome in a beaks like role yeah marshall Ali would be really good you know what you know who i'm thinking of because we just talked about him is john ham <laughs> true but he's too he's too big like these yeah, three yeah, actors yeah. don't have to be the leads they can pull it yeah, off you know that's fair ophelia the jamie lee curtis role uh the most obvious kind of her would be a margot rob margot robbie 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 but i yeah. don't and, and and that's fine i think it gets much more interesting with either a dene guerrera uh or as you pointed earlier, Aquafina. Aquafina would Aquafina be would be great, right? Yeah, I I think she almost might take the role too far, which could be good. Uh, and again, this is one of those you could easily turn the turn this from male female, whatever doesn't really matter. But uh, to my point earlier, you do have to play the race card in this one because the the for the story to work, you have to be. Uh, two snobby guys make, you know what I mean? Like that, that's part of what make training places work. So I, I would put in for Eddie Murphy. I'd put in that Donald Glover. Yeah. Anything Donald Glover. I'm just, I'm so happy you didn't say Kevin Hart. 
No. But yeah, Donald Glover is no, perfect. I don't think Kevin Hart's too Kevin Hart. Donald okay. Glover has more more range. Yep. Uh, and for the Dan Aykroyd, the one I really want, but I don't think he could pull it off, would be uh, Danny Pudi from Community. Because you just put yeah. those two back together. I just love to see the two of them in sort of different roles, but like back together on screen would just be their chemistry so good. But I don't know if he really has the 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 range to do what Dan Aykroyd did. You know, can, can I say one thing? I actually love that, but I'd flip them. Ooh. I would make Donald Glover. I would put Donald Glover in the Winthrop role. Possible. Because yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think Tudy could play. Uh, I almost just called him Axel Foley, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> What's that? I think he could. Louis. Louis. Yeah. Louis. Louis. Uh, I think he could play that role easier. And I think Donald Glover could play anything you asked him to. So I agree. So the other two though, I ended up with were either Taron Egerton or Ansel Elgart, both of which have that young packaged <laughs> yeah. up kind of thing. I like that those two are oddly interchangeable too. Like you could, either one of those two, I'd be like, sure. <laughs> yeah. It's like having a, it's like having one of the Chris's. Exactly. Any one of the Chris's. Um, so that's my, that's my new take on trading places, man. I I want to see, I want to read the script. I'll give you that. Okay. I want to read the script because the thing is, is this movie is so perfect. I know. It's so perfect. It could use a little bit of modernization for sure, just so that it doesn't, so that it could be watched. Uh, I just, again, this is one of those things where I think if you ask anybody to play Eddie Murphy, they're going to be like, you're out of your mind. Absolutely not. Yeah. I think you have to almost say, do the, do the fast and furious thing where it's like, we're not even acknowledging that this is trading places, but it's trading places. I think that if, if so in that vein, greenlit for sure. Call it something else. Basically, just make the same story and then have a surprise cameo from the two guys of the movie that clearly inspired it. I'm totally in. But to call it Trading Places, I think, would be a hard a hard sell. Fair enough. I, I'll accept that. I'll be All back right. to you with the script in the morning. Love it. Uh, okay, my last one. I think this is going to be the first time that there's ever a repeat on a list. So not our same list, but like in the sense that this movie has been on a list before Okay. in our, in this. So it came out on June 7th, 1985, uh, 62% on Metacritic, Josh Brolin. Uh, Goonies? Goonies. Interesting. Interesting. Goonies almost made my list. So this is going to, this, this one for sure, I will get texts from a couple of friends that are going to go, don't touch Goonies. Don't touch Goonies. I get it. I understand why. But the same reason that it was on the 1980 summer movie list that I had is the same reason it's here. Like just straight up like this movie could, first of all, it could be updated a little bit. The data stuff and the chunk stuff could be done more thoughtfully so that it's not as, so it's, that it's not controversial now, right? I think you could still lean into both of those as like jokes, but you just need to do it more thoughtfully. And I think it would be very easy to do, to be completely honest. Outside of that, the lightheartedness and the the joy of this, I almost did Stand By Me, but Stand By Me is really intense. And this movie's more fun. And and back to the idea of like, if you're going to remake stuff, I think this whole genre of kid, adult, watch together, don't be awkward movies is gone. Right. right? And and I love the idea that this one blurs that line again. So I, I'm not going to go like the cast is tough. I mean, Stranger Things. Can we just cast all of them? Like, is, right. is that it's, a thing? It should just be a season of Stranger Things. Just like just cast the Stranger Things. However, I have I'm so proud of myself. I laughed so hard when I thought of this. And I, I don't care if anybody likes it or not. For me, this was worth it. I have cast the Fratellis 
And when I tell you how proud I am of this, I'm so proud. So Francis and Jake, I want Charlie Day and Rob McElhenney and Mama Fratelli needs to be Danny DeVito. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> like, that's it. I just, I, I can physically see all three of them in perfect. this. It's, per- it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. If this doesn't get remade, I just need always, I just need Always Sunny to do an episode where this happens. That would, by the way, the Always Sunny go to, uh, go to the Goonies or something would be just crazy. They could totally do this. Like, yeah. this is a thing where they could accidentally have those three turn into those characters and it's not a stretch for their show at all. They, they could just have a season where the whole season they just pick some great movie and <laughs> just like, do it. Just do a version of it. Yeah. It's so like, and listen, everyone's seen Goonies. It's it's just good. It, I, yeah. I just think it could be made like physically, it could be made like, you know, the way it was filmed could be made modern. You could make it modern times if you wanted to. I think it makes more sense to make it modern times and leave the old one in the past because a lot of the data stuff wouldn't make as much sense and the gadgets and stuff. There's a lot of cool hacking things they could do right. now that I think would be fun. Uh, you know, I, I love the idea of mouth being mouth, like all those things stay the same. I think you just cast it, update it, make it like take a little the edge off of the stuff that probably couldn't hang now and then do the Always Sunny cast. And I think you probably got not only all of people our age going to see it for nostalgic purposes, but you're going to bring in a bunch of young people who are not going to know the story. And again, you can watch it with your parents. And I think it'd be hilarious. I'm I, I'm really into this one. Agreed. And what's funny about this, and I keep, I'm thinking about some, several of the items on our list right now. Um, I, by the way, I'm probably greenlighting you. I'm, I'm still, because I'm, I'm sort of moving my head right now to the space where I'm like, man, if I'm a Hollywood producer, I would just start making new versions of movies and, and calling them homages and just being like, hey, it's yeah. cool that, that we're not doing exactly the Goonies. We're going to do yet another adventure of these small town kids going to find this thing and there's gangsters like it, it's so easy to make these kind of stories that I think people would continue to love. And it almost makes me wonder like why, why they don't do that. Like why they have to do the reboot versus just like, Hey, let's just make another movie with a gang of kids going on some crazy adventure. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the, God, God knows there's enough scripts out there and, and listen, same, same with trading places, right? Like I love the, like just make it again, but just make it different, like make it different enough, call it something different, make, make it clear that, that it's an homage and then move on. Like, I would love that. So I, I'm totally behind that for this one too. Because honestly, like, I, I think we're both saying the same thing. I just want them to make another movie like that as good as that was done. Right. That's right. That's it. So just like stay close enough to those beats because those were all the right beats. So do that again, modernized and with a little bit, you know, with new jokes. And we're good. I'd be happy with it. Sounds good. I'm in. Let's do it. All right. Perfect. All right. So uh, let's do Contender Pong. So... Things that were on the list again. These are movies that you like, that you want to remake. I could have, I could have done all of these, by the way, in the same vein. I like, I we might come back to this list and recast these just as a separate episode because it would be fun. Although it takes forever because I think way too hard about mm-hmm. it. I bet you do too. Let's do it. So I'll go first. February fifteenth, nineteen eighty-five. Sixty-six percent on Metacritic. Breakfast Club. I had Breakfast Club as second on my list. So first on my list. I don't even have the dates for these. I just wrote them down. Uh, Truman Show. Ah, I, yeah, I'm in. I could, I could, you could do another Truman Show easy, especially with social media. Uh, this one's a shout out for my wife specifically, but I would like to see them remake Clue. Good choice. Uh, this is sacrilegious, but could be fun in the modern world. Ferris, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, I thought about it and I didn't put it on the list for that same reason. So I'm going to stick with John Hughes again. Uh, 16 Candles is another one I think they should probably remake. Yeah, you're going to have to make some edits, but yeah. 
Uh, movie that I liked, but I think the chemistry of the leads threw it off a large margin and would just like to see it done with a better cast. Uh, although the cast individually is great, but the, together their chemistry was terrible. It was uh, Moulin Rouge. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I. it's funny. I almost had that. I love that movie. My wife and I absolutely love that soundtrack. I, I love them to make that movie without Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Uh, kids. Did you ever see Kids? You know, I never saw Kids, but I know I know of what you speak. Okay. So Kids uh, Kids needs to be remade, I think. All right. Uh, old school. Some like it hot. I think that would be fun in the modern world. A lot That'd of be fun. fun. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go old school too. Gremlins, I think, would be a fun remake. I like that I said old school and went to the 60s, and you said old school and you went to my childhood. Uh, but I'll go with it. And I'm sticking in the old school for one more. Uh, Harvey, since we talked about it last time, uh, Jimmy Stewart's performance is probably unredoable, but maybe a John Hamm-like actor could pull off. Um, and I think the story holds up, and why not? So I'll go real old school here. Uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. There you go. Like I, that, you're never going to get Hepburn again. But I think there's there's stuff in that movie that doesn't play well today that they need to move out. Like clear. couple of things, <laughs> like like you know two or three small things. Uh, but like if they could redo that, I think it, it's a great story. So yeah. I'd love to see that done. Yeah, and and, it, and it's true. You can easily strip those things out and make the whole thing work. Yeah, I mean, first of all, just cast an Asian actor. That'd be a great start. But there anyway, <laughs> uh, here's one uh, going real old school, uh, JT, um, all the way back to the '90s, Armageddon. I liked Armageddon, but I want to like it more. That's I fair. Want more Armageddon. I want them to Armageddon it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, Armageddon after it. Uh, let's do uh, so. 1984. I thought would be a, a fun one. Oh, the story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the whole year. Uh, Just try it again. Just do it all over again. Yeah, no, the movie 1984. You'll hear. I got another one of those family friendly. I actually have Mrs. Doubtfire. I think you could do another Mrs. Doubtfire very easily. So I had it on my list and removed it because I don't want anybody to touch Robin Williams' performance in that. Fair enough. Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? Ah, okay. Ah, hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know. That one, That one. I don't know. But I kind of like the idea of playing with it. I think if you mix CGI into it this time around, it gets really interesting. That's what That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, what's, I forget the movie with um, the rabbit that was uh, the Chris. Uh, oh, cool God, World? What's the guy? No, I love it. Not Cool World. No, the one, it's a more recent one that had like an AR thing attached to it. And it's the guy from SVU, Chris, whatever his name is. Whatever. It didn't Chris do very Maloney? well. Chris Maloney. Chris Maloney was in a movie that had like a CGI donkey or an- some animal that was with him. And it's like, oh, this is like a bad Roger Rabbit version. And I was like, God, just why don't you just remake Roger Rabbit? But he's Casey Jones, right? He is Casey Jones. Okay. Always. <laughs> uh, Cocoon. Did you ever see Cocoon? I did. Okay. I think uh, I think you could update Cocoon. It's, it's a, a nice, sweet story. It, it's worth yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so selfishly for me, Oliver and company, I would love for them to do that with modern, like make that more modern and get people to actually see it. Cause no one saw it. Right. Uh, sacrilege territory for a couple here, uh, spies like us, um, great eighties comedy that with very, very quotable, amazing Chevy chase and Dan Aykroyd. And, uh, again, kind of story that just could see another version of it. Why not? Don't hate Fair. me friends. Don't hate me. <laughs> Fair. Uh, that thing you do. Hmm. hmm. I really liked that movie. It's a really good movie. I think the the music industry is wrought for comedy and be made fun of, and I would love for them to just kind of do that again. All right. Same. Uh, here's one that that I had actual real childhood memories for, but recognize that it's not anywhere near the movie I thought it was. Is Meatballs? The uh, oh, I think yeah. I think camp time is is a good fodder for movie making, and Meatballs is one of those like doesn't know if it's comedy or a drama, and and sort of doesn't quite hit either beat 
as well as it should. So I think you could uh, pull, 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 pull that one together. Yeah, I'd actually love to see that because that is a that is a drama vein veiled as a comedy. It's like a, it's a yeah. much more heavy story than I think people remember for sure. That's right. uh, this this one's going to be sacrilegious to my people of my age, but the Sandlot. Mm. I want to see it again because it could be it, it could be done again and it could be done really well. Baseball can sure use some help anyway. Sure Have can. you ever seen a movie called FX as in FX as in special effects? No. All right. Well, then A, that just got added to the 80s list. And B, uh, it's also on this list. Uh, I have two more. This one I think is going to send you up in smoke because I think it's it's sacrilegious, but that's okay. Uh, broadcast news. Hmm. Up for discussion. I think the news industry, I think that's fair. That's why. That's why. With it. Um, massive, massive sacrilege with my final pick for the day. Let's see a new version of Highlander. Oh boy. So I'm not offended by it, but I can feel the other people being offended by it. I, I'm, I'm offended that I said it. Yeah, that's fair. My last one is uh, PCU. Wow. I it, Listen, it's one of my favorite comedies of all time. I don't know how you remake it, but that's why I want it remade. Yeah, I think you just, I think you just make another one in the modern modern yeah probably yeah it's just so funny because that that whole movie the the point is poking fun at people who won't let you say things and all you can do today is not say things right so it'd be a fun it'd be a fun time to see somebody tackle that maybe david spade becomes the principal uh the the university president he'd be jeremy piven's character would be absolutely perfect no no uh, Uh, jessica walter's character or Jessica Walters character. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. I was thinking, oh my God, I was thinking of Jerry, Jeremy Pivens from old school, which I never right. thought of the, how funny that is. That literally just dawned on me anyway. Uh, okay. This was fun. We could do this forever, but let's, let's get moving. Uh, Jared, what was your favorite thing on wingman this week? My favorite thing was the mortal Kombat 25 years. Look back. Yeah. I, I knew that was going to be. Yeah. Only because it was so vindicating timing wise. Yeah, I know it was. I know I could feel I could feel the smug when you sent that in. <laughs> uh, so I made myself laugh with the dog note, but the the, the scary Boston robotics dog is, is crazy. But the, my favorite one was definitely the Mandalorian dude. Like Ludwig Göransson is just a monster. Like he's such a like it's crazy that people like that exist, and to watch him actually do it was really cool. So there we go. So next week, Jeremy, what are we doing? What's our top five? Well, next week we had a, a fun little back and forth on how to make this work. So. Uh, just to just to be transparent about it, JT had this great idea of top five Nicolas Cage movies, which is just a goldmine. But I, I kind of one movie came to mind as he said it to me, and that movie was Face Off. And then I was like, oh wait a sec, there really is a second Nick Cage, and that's John Travolta. So it's the Face Off edition, top five Nicolas Cage and or because of Face Off, so it's got to be and or <laughs> John Travolta movies. <laughs> just just in case that movie makes it. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited to have a literal face-off between Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. It's gonna be fun. Uh this was this was a great week. I absolutely love this. Uh Jeremy, this I, I'm surprised. I thought we were gonna be more sacrilegious. I actually think we did a fair job. I don't think we lost any friendships, hopefully. That's that's the most we could hope for out of an episode like this. Yeah, I, I don't think we fully stepped on the third rail, but we certainly touched on it. And I'm just not sure if, I, if, if my final statement for the day is either stay gold, pony boy, or where I think I'm going to end up with looking good, Billy Ray. Uh, feeling good, Lewis. <laughs> Thanks for letting us be your wingman, everybody. Hey.